0: Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management. I'm your host, Susan May. It dawned on me as we explore career choices this month, the number of times over the years that I've been contacted and asked about what a career as a human resources practitioner is like, what kind of qualifications are necessary. Um, my experience in the position. So, I'm going to share a little bit about the scope of responsibility of HR and, and different options that someone interested in this field um, might consider. First, I need to recognize that although I'll talk about HR departments and they're known as personnel, people, management, talent, acquisition, um, there's a variety of titles that are being used out there. Uh, So those are the departments I'm talking about, but I also want to recognize some small organizations. All of what I'm gonna talk about is also uh, accomplished and the responsibility of individuals who hold other titles. Um, They may be the CAO and responsible for all of this as well. And it's, it's quite a responsibility. So let's start with recruitment. I think everybody knows that HR is involved in the recruitment process, somewhat anyways. It's not just your attendance at the interview that most employees kind of think of when they're thinking of HR and and then that job offer letter um, or the decline call. It actually starts much before that. And it includes analysis of the job function and determining an appropriate salary for the job function. It's about advertising that vacancy, sorting through the applications, developing interview questions, testing sometimes, conducting the interviews, doing background checks and references, and then making a job offer that isn't always accepted. (laughs) There are times when when either that job offer is not sufficient and therefore declined, uh, the person has is also being interviewed by somebody else and chooses the other employer. Often the recruitment team, as it often involves more than one individual, I would say most typically involves more than one individual, can go back to the applicant pool, uh, and other times it's uh, starting all over again. Now, there are lots of of organizations in the market who focus on recruiting. for other organizations, it says an outsource. And this makes a lot of sense in not a number of circumstances. And so those organizations, um, if you were interested in, in just being a recruiter, are options for you to consider. Individuals who otherwise work in a very large organization where the HR department has sort of silos within it with people that are specialists in fields, Um, often have a recruiting arm of those HR departments. And so if you were in one of these organizations and recruited into the recruitment department, this is what you would focus on. And you also may also be responsible for new employee orientation programs, buddy programs for new employees and and mentoring programs. Um, Those typically would be within that area as well. Benefits and compensation. Many organizations offer some level of benefits as part of their compensation package. So these plans, um, in most cases, are provided by external agencies or organizations. So those all need to be purchased and negotiated and maintained. The individuals who are hired need to be provided the details of the plans and signed up for them. And those needs change. So over the years, an individual who came in and just needed... A single plan gets married, so wants a couple's plan, starts a family, now it's moved to a family plan. You get the picture. And also, plan provisions change either through contract negotiations, legislation, um, or perhaps just by design. And these also need to be managed and communicated. And of course, the premiums that are paid uh, typically increase on an annual basis, though the premiums being requested by the organizations are frequently reviewed by benefits consultant to ensure that the use of the plan uh, aligns with the benefits premium typically increase and whether it makes sense. And it would make sense then that there'd be an area of specialization in benefits. And so again, there are firms that, um, this is their area of specialization, benefits and consult and compensation. And that's, if you were interested in this area of HR, you could work for one of those organizations. You could also work for a large organization where, again, there were these streams within HR, within the organization that um, this, is, this is the area that you would focus on. So it'd be things like extended health, Dental, life insurance, accidental death and dismemberment, short-term illness and injury plans, long-term disability plans, pension, employee and family, and lots of different kinds of add-ons that uh, sometimes organizations can be quite creative and, and purchase those services from those organizations. And it all requires administration and management. Here's training and development. Uh, It's advantageous for organizations to ensure that employees keep current in their respective areas of proficiency. And HR is often involved in uh, either providing that training or sourcing it out and and offering it to employees, uh, managing training and the records maintenance on that. Uh, And again, in large organizations, this this may end up being a specific uh, function, uh, area of specialization within uh, the broader HR department. Policies and employment laws, part of HR's responsibility is to have uh, sort of policies that are relevant to the employer related matters within the organization. So developing those, keeping them current, making sure that they're communicated, the legislative requirements that are employer related on things like um, the human, um, human rights, the freedom of information and protection of privacy, employment standards, the Labor Code, um, WorkSafe, BC, are all part and parcel of employment-related uh, laws that, that guide how, how people are treated within our organizations. And, and so HR's responsibility is to ensure that any changes to those laws are understood and communicated and any new provisions put into place. As an example, Uh, WorkSafe BC in the British Columbia, Uh, we were all mandated throughout the province to develop or ensure that we had a policy on workplace bullying and harassment, and every single staff member had to be trained on it. So HR would be responsible for making sure all all of that happened. Similarly, where complaints are lodged, um, HR usually plays a role in the hearing and the resolution process certainly facilitates that happening. Workplace health and safety, I've just kind of touched on, um, but programs such as uh, personal protective equipment, the training of safety committee member training, um, confined space, working alone, um, are only several examples of the work safe provisions that need to be in place and um, making sure people are trained properly for the use of the equipment that they're expected to uh, operate uh, and so on. So HR usually plays a role in oversight of of those functions as well. Labor relations. Um, So I'm gonna use as an example, a unionized organization. In this case, there are going to be collective agreements that are negotiated periodically. And so there's the whole process of collective bargaining and canvassing for changes that, that the management group uh, might feel, or uh, changes to the collective agreement that, that are required uh, or, or should be considered course you go through the contract bargaining process you've got to communicate any changes that are agreed to by the parties and then of course there's always situations that the parties hadn't considered and so there's the whole resolution process through policy grievances or individual grievances uh, interpretation of the contract language or how the contract language is being applied the hearing and resolution of grievances sometimes tribunal processes like arbitrations. HR is involved in to a certain extent, and in a siloed organization with, with a scope with individual departments, you would typically see this in a labor relations department. And then there's the everyday lineup of people outside uh, in offices or, or workspaces of just situations that arise um, in the years that an individual works in an organization, whether it's that somebody's body odor is bad and someone needs to speak to them about it, whether it's a comment that was made by a colleague that that the person's seeking some coaching on how to approach and deal with that or is seeking assistance for for dealing with that. A a myriad of different things. Um, (laughs) I'm just not thinking of very many good examples that arise where people show up in human resources, asking for assistance in, or some coaching on on how to deal with something or asking for HR to get involved and deal with it. I've been a generalist that that probably would stay with with somebody just working with a client group, but depending on the complexity of the problem, it may also become a labor relations matter. There's organizational development and planning. So things like restructuring or providing input onto um, just organizational change that's happening. And then you get into the really complex stuff like takeovers and mergers and amalgamations. There's people impact on those initiatives. So um, I'm glad that organizations tend to lean quite heavily on HR to guide those processes and to help ensure smooth transitions. And unfortunately, sometimes layoffs and downsizing are required. And again, it's the HR professionals who assist in the communication and just orderly transition processes, which unfortunately sometimes also includes a support in, in terminations. Technology, I do want to mention technology Because increasingly, the complexity of the records that are required, and of course, our organizations tend to be getting larger, the fast access to reporting of of some of the information that's kept by human resources, because often, if it's personal, it's confidential. And so Just as an aside, HR also does the oversight of ensuring that personal information isn't released inappropriately. Um, Human resource information management systems are becoming the norm, as are many quite wonderful technologies helping with some of the processes that I've talked about, like applicant tracking systems for recruitment. Um, And so, knowledge and willingness to use technology um, experience working with with hrs systems um, and just comfort with with uh, computers is is quite critical for most organizations technology you know i'm sure i've missed a lot but you get an idea of um, much broader scope of interest and skill application than may appear on the surface. And unfortunately, there's lots of people that don't have a great impression of HR because they really have no idea what HR does other than show up at disciplinary hearings. And so if you're considering a career in HR, it's really important to understand quite a wide range variety of areas that that you could apply your skills and be interested in. Let's take a look at the skills and experience required. I went on in, in the, on the computer and just typed in indeed and it doesn't need to be indeed. There is a wealth of information on the internet available to you, whether you're considering human resources or pretty well any, job category, where you can get a sense of what organizations are looking for, um, both in skills and abilities and experience and also the kinds of responsibilities. Uh, just as an example, I looked up an HR assistant. What I learned through that posting is that this is a position that supports the more, more uh, kind of the next level in the organization, of, of uh, typically an HR advisor or coordinator, and is responsible for the administrative support to some of those other functions within HR. And so just, just a little bit about what you'll do. So it's providing general, factual information regarding HR policies and procedures. It's advi- assisting the HR advisors with different processes, document presentation, uh, um, preparation and distribution. It's compiling and preparing materials for meetings and training programs and collective bargaining. So you start, if you get in there, then you're starting to see how everything works, how things all fit together. Supporting the facilitation of employee training by maintaining the training calendar and training registration system in this example, organizing training materials, setting up training experiences, and basically, again, providing that that support and making sure that the processes are smooth for the client experience. So what you'll need in this posting that I looked at is completion of two years of post-secondary education in business, including courses in human resources management or a related field. So it's just courses. It's not a need for a, a, a diploma or certificate. And then one to three in human resources, sorry. One to three years of human resource administrative support experience, including experience with information management systems, there's that technology piece, and preferably in a unionized environment. Let's just talk a little bit about HR administrative support experience. If you haven't worked in HR before, it's going to be pretty pretty difficult to get that. And so that shouldn't stop you from applying for a position like this. If you have work, like providing this kind, the kinds of things that are in the what you'll do, please make application for the position. And they're asking for preferably in a unionized environment. And if you don't have that experience and you get interviewed, make sure that you talk to people who have. And so you can ask the question of them, what it's, what's different in working for a unionized work environment, um, how you might use the skills, how you're gonna, how you're gonna learn um, in preparation for the questions that might be asked of you in that regard. So I also looked up the HR advisor, and in work performed, it becomes quite obvious quite quickly that this is a, a very a, a higher level, and that you are now influencing, you are assisting managers and drafting job descriptions, you're facilitating the job classification process. You are working with compensation consultants and you are reviewing and approving paperwork. You're creating those job postings and you are very much more involved with the client group. You're ensuring processes are objective and inclusive. You're confirming things like core competencies in the recruitment process. You're verifying internal equity and candidate qualifications. So you can see how it's, it's a step up, it's a step different. Now you're providing information and general advice and you're interpreting collective agreements. So you're not just getting factual information, you're actually providing interpretations and you're providing information about legislation affecting the workplace. And you're participating in the development and the delivery of human resource training programs. Now in this posting, the minimum qualifications are an undergraduate degree in the relevant discipline, but the minimum of two to three years of related experience or the equivalent combination of education and experience. And you'll see that once in a while on job postings. And it's important to pay attention to that because if you're someone who has a lot of experience and is now mid-career deciding that you want to, you've always been curious. It's an equivalent combina- combination. And so in your cover letter, Take some time and explain why you feel that you're, the combination of the the experience and the education that you've got and why you feel it would be equivalent. Now the preferred qualifications is, there's indicating, preferably in a complex unionized environment. So same comments as before, like do your homework and, and be prepared for some questions and i'm just going to take a look at the qualifications are preferred but you can see how it reflects on the job responsibilities so this is obviously a generalist hr position so they would be required to do the full scope of what i've talked about uh, earlier thorough knowledge of current human resource management practices knowledge of provincial and federal legislation governing employers human resources practices knowledge and experience with a coaching model to influence and advise client units, experience using social media for business, working knowledge of an electronic recruiting system and asset. Remember I mentioned about the applicant tracking system that organizations are starting to use. Demonstrated ability to maintain accuracy and attention to detail, so critical. Effective oral and written communication skills, proven ability to work in a team and collaborate with others ability to establish and maintain supportive working relationships with client departments union and association representatives demonstrated ability to exercise tact discretion and judgment required proven ability to be flexible confident and self-motivated ability to prioritize multiple tasks and work effectively under pressure to meet deadlines customer service ability to deal with a diversity of people in a calm, courteous, and effective manner, ability to analyze problems, identify key information and issues, and effectively resolve those. See all the words that are being used with regard to the skills that are required, the competencies required. And as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, please go into an interview with lots of examples for every one of those words. Keep a notebook beside you as you think of things that you've done in your volunteer work as a parent, on sports teams, as well as your, your paid employment experience. You have something to provide as an example for every single one of those. And they're so difficult to think of in the moment. More organizations are starting to use behavioral based questions. They want to know not that you can do it, just that you can do it, but they want to know how you know you're good at it. And um, by your being able to speak to times when you've used, you've been a multitasker or you've used incredible judgment or you've dealt with a really difficult, stressful situation, uh, you will shine and you will make a big difference between yourself and the other people that are competing for the job. For fun, I pulled another one. And I just just wanna keep focusing on those skills that I'm talking about, because that's really who we are. So the skills, and again, this is an advisory level position, consulting and coaching skills, interpersonal and relationship building skills, excellent written and verbal communication and presentation skills across multiple levels. Because as an HR advisor, you're working with individuals on the shop floor and you're, in, you're working with board members at times and with members of the senior management team. You need to be approachable to every single individual in that organization if you're going to be good. A track record of executing and delivering on projects. It's your reputation. For attributes and competencies. And it's interesting because in the last one I, I looked at, none of this was in there. And this starts to tell you a little bit about the organization. And this starts to to pique my interest. Alignment with the organization's values and principles. Positive solution-based attitude and customer-focused approach. A self-motivated individual who can operate autonomously, but also as part of a team. Commitment to lifelong learning and innovative approaches. And those are things that you could be making a note of because when it's your turn to ask questions in an interview process, those are appropriate, innovative approaches. For one, what have you done that demonstrates that you are capable of using innovative approaches, but it's, it's a little unusual. And so it would be an interesting question at the end of an interview process for you to be asking about what they had in mind and how perhaps A member of the interview panel had used innovative approaches to get a sense of really what the organization's like because it's you also deciding whether or not you want to give your time and resources, your precious time and resources to this organization that you're considering. Then they go on, what are we looking for? A creative person who can think outside the box. An individual can work hard but wants to have fun along the way. Ooh is a little more interesting than the last one that we read? An individual who wants to celebrate and promote their workplace and their colleagues. An individual who can build meaningful relationships with all departments. An individual with a positive attitude and positive, passionate about helping individuals in need. Wow. You can see the difference. And it starts to tell you a little bit about the organization because it's not just about Uh, contemplating a career in human resources is also about finding the right organization that's going to fit for you, who you are at the core. And before we close, I also want to talk a little bit about the certified human resource professional, the CHRP designation. I see often that it's considered an asset. I don't see as often that it's mandatory where it is mandatory and you don't have it, it wouldn't stop me from applying, if I were you. Uh, It might be something you'll need to pursue post getting a job. Um, That would be part of what you would negotiate as part of the job offer. And hopefully that they would help with the costs. So, the, in order to receive your CHRP designation, you must be an HR professional association registrant in good standing and fulfill the coursework requirements, pass a CHRP knowledge exam, pass a CHRP employment law exam, and complete a job-ready program. So I think it's a course. Now, to maintain that designation once you received it, You must maintain continuous membership with the Human Resource Professional Association. I know we have one in British Columbia. Uh, You have to be in good standing. And you have to agree to abide by the Registered Human Resources Professionals Act, the HR Professional Association bylaws, their rules of professional conduct, and any other professional guidance issued or amended by the HR Professional Association from time to time to meet the continuing professional development requirements. HR. It's an interesting career. I spent mine as a generalist. I I loved, quite frankly, never quite knowing what I was going to be doing every day. (laughs) Sometimes that was frustrating, but it made for uh, sometimes challenging, but always interesting and always an opportunity to grow. Uh, And we're all different. I know lots of individuals who just salivate over constantly doing labor relations things. Um, I, I have known professionals who, uh, again, just love the benefits of compensation and the analytical work involved in, in, in that. We're all different, thank heavens. And so just understanding yourself and just knowing the full scope of what's actually available as an HR professional is what I hope I've helped you with today. A career I've loved. If you're interested in connecting with me, uh, my contact information is on the show notes uh, page for this podcast. I do hope you found today's session interesting and somewhat enlightening. I will be back next week. I hope you'll again join me as you guest. Dare to soar. I believe in you. It's Susan signing out. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks again for being here. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangeneh at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.